0: Amen. It's a joy to be here tonight and to have the opportunity to preach for pastor. And uh, I'm looking forward to that, and, or I've been looking forward to that. And It's good to see each and every one of you here tonight. I want you to turn with me, if you will, in your Bibles to the book of Job. We're going to look at Job for just a little while. I've got some good news and I've got some bad news. Really, I don't have no good news, Okay. And my bad news is, is that my watch band broke, so I don't have a clock except the one in the back, so keep it on. I started to say, I looked back there a few minutes ago and I didn't see one, and I thought, well, okay, we're in trouble. And I figure, you know, if I preach on until about 10 o'clock, y'all start leaving on me, so it'll be time to quit then, won't it? Amen. I think y'all know I'm joking, I'll try not to take too long tonight, but again, it is a joy to be here. If you'd like to stand with me, we're going to look at Job chapter 8. We're going to read one verse to you, and then we'll have a word of prayer. And after we have prayer, you can be seated. And if you'll look with me in Job chapter, wait a minute, I said Job chapter 8. That's right. I just didn't give you the verse. Excuse me. I want you to look with me at Job chapter 8 and verse 11. And in verse 11, the Bible asks two questions. Can the rush grow up without the mire? Can the rush, can the bulrush grow up without the mire? Can the flag grow without water? Now let's have prayer and then you can be seated. Our Father, again we come in the precious name of the Lord Jesus with grateful, thankful hearts. I ask you now, Father, please, that you'll bless tonight for just a little while. Give me the mind of Christ. Help me to organize the thoughts that I have and to say them just as you would have us to say them. As you'd have me to say them, Lord, to think about what you said in Psalms 19. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in Thy sight, O Lord, my Redeemer. I believe what you said, and so if you'll help us, you'll give us grace. You'll give us the touch from upon high, the Lord. May be there, or may there be that thrust, that unction, and the reminder of the scriptures and what you tell us after our salvation, to follow after you. Lord, we'll thank you, we'll praise you, because we ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. As you look at the book of Job, let me just start out just kind of, because I just read the one verse, and we'll go from there and jump on into it in just a second. But as you look at the book of Job, there's three great questions that are asked to each and every believer. When you think about that, well, let me just share them with you. Number one, will a man serve God in the midst of suffering? Now you think about that. Think about that for just a second. We're going to serve God. Man, we're going to go and we're going to do it. But in the midst of suffering. And as you study out the Scriptures, you'll see that in the life of Job, there was the suffering of financial loss. He's considered by some to have been the richest man there was in the East in his time. We do know that Job is the oldest book in the Bible. James in the New Testament, probably the oldest book in the New Testament. Job in the Old Testament, oldest book in the Bible. That's what I've been taught. And so will a man suffer or will a man serve God uh, as he suffers financial loss? You find that in chapter 1, verse 16. You look in verse 17 of chapter 1 and you'll see the suffering of a family's loss or the loss of family members. Uh, Think about a family, we should pray for them. The Ballews, just about a month ago, I preached the funeral of Brother Bobby Ballew, which was our first pastor that Gail and I had. He wasn't our first pastor, but he was our first pastor in the Independent Baptist Movement. And he taught us missions. And he taught us to serve God, and he taught us to tithe, and he taught us to love your wives and to love your husbands and to do right and to love your children. He gave us character, if I could say it to you like that, and he, he helped us greatly. And we had the privilege, the opportunity. What can a man say about another man's life other than that he was a great man? And then as you think about it, I think it's three weeks later, his grandson which was his son's son, married with two children, come down with COVID, and passed. He passed. He didn't make it through that. And now there's a wife without a husband, two children without a father. This family's really gone through it. As you think about this, we're talking about the suffering of financial loss, but we're also talking about the suffering of family loss. I'll just be honest with you. This Uh, May will be 49 years for Gail and me, and I tell her all the time, if anybody's going to die first, it's going to be me. Of course, I'm hoping for the rapture to take place, if you understand what I'm saying, amen. And uh, I tell her all the time, of course, you've heard it before, now if you leave me, you pack my bags, I'm going with you, we've got two friends that loves us, Visa and American Express, they'll buy anything we need (laughs) on the vacation, Amen. And I'm saying that with joke and tongue-in-cheek and humor. But then we think about, will a man serve God in the midst of the sufferings, the suffering of failing health? Now you say what you want to say, but when you're sick, it's hard to be spiritual. Thank you. I, I don't know who said that, but it is hard to be spiritual. And then when you look at the life of Job, he's going through all of this just about at the same time. Then secondly, there's the thought, will a man serve God in the midst of slander? Now think about that. In the midst of slander. His wife in Job chapter 2 and verse 9, then she, uh, his wife uh, said unto him, Does thou still retain thine integrity? Curse God and die. I hope my wife don't never tell me that. I, I, I really... Sometimes I'll preach a service somewhere and we'll be going down the road and I'll say, how'd I do? And She'll look and she'll say, you blowed it. You know you blowed it. Now let's go. Y'all will get that in just a second. Amen. But I'm making her out like a beast, but she's not a beast. She's she's a helpmate and I praise the Lord for it. But you see the thought here, will a man serve God in the midst of slander? His wife. Curse God. Go on and die. Go on and die. Curse God. And then we see not only that, but we see his friends. His three friends come. They're in sackcloth and ashes for a period of seven days. They're silent. And then we begin to see their words that they have to say to them. It's found in Job chapter 4 all the way down through really the end of chapter 22. And then in chapter 23 in verse 10, as he's listened, as he's, gave back his words to them on what he thinks, if I accept like that, he finally looks and he says in verse 23, but he knoweth the way that I take. And when he hath tried me, I shall come forth his goal. Listen to me. A lot of times when we see hardships fall upon believers and we see things come and happen upon believers, what do we usually think? Boy, that's a chasing the hand of God. God's a whooping, or God's whipping them good, isn't He? Now let's just go ahead and bet that. Can I get an amen or an oh me? Thank you, I appreciate that. But that's the way it seems. And a lot of times that's the first thing, or maybe not the first thing, but it's one of the things that will come to mind when we see a brother, or when we see uh, a family, or we see uh, someone that uh, goes through situations like that. But as we think about it, will a man serve God in the midst of slander, and then thirdly, will a man serve God in the midst of silence? You see, he's looking and he's saying, I've looked to the left, I've looked to the right, I've looked in front of me, I've looked behind me. And I can't seem to find God nowhere. And then you come to chapter 42, I think it is. And chapter 42, uh, let me back up and say this. I'm going by memory here, but if memory serves me correct, Job asks the question, Why? 23 times. And then when God speaks, He never asks that question again. But God has His own prerogative and God can do what He wants to do. It seems like I have felt that silence of God in my own life. If you've been saved any length of time, I think that uh, in the prerogative of God and His mind and His thinking, Uh, He can do anything He wants to do if you understand what I'm saying. You find that in Job chapter 23, about verse 12, 13, 14, something around in those verses. But as you think about that, God has the right to His silence. And then secondly, may I say to you, God has a reason to His silence. And it may be just to see what your reactions are and how you will handle things in given situations. You know, listen, when I'm hurting spiritually or emotionally inside, that's just as painful as just like the other day when I was working with a hammer and I hit the wrong nail. And, and it hurts that much. It hurts that way. Can I get an amen on that? Thank you, Brother Randy. I see you nodding that head. Amen. But may I say to you that God has that prerogative. He has the right to His silence. God has a reason to His silence. And we sometimes just have to simply, by faith, trust Him and follow after Him. He may not speak through His Word. That's where He speaks. God who in sun times and in diverse manners spake unto the fathers by the prophets, but hath in these last days spoken unto us by His Son. And He speaks through His Word to us. I realize circumstances. I realize other believers. I realize these things. But I'm saying to you that God speaks through His Word, and as you think about this, may I say to you, thirdly, you find it in chapter 42, verses 12 through 14, and that is where God has a reward in His silence. Talking to a precious member the other day, Christians that love the Lord, that set under year after year after year after year of preaching and teaching of the Word of God with tears in the eyes and hurt in the heart say, I know all these things, but, but as they laid to rest a dear loved one. I don't have that answer. I think if any of us had that answer, we could write a book and sell a million dollars worth of, of the answer or the books. But God does have a right, and God will speak again. I think about my father. He'd pick us or not pick us up, excuse me, but we would be going to school, and he would drive to school. I was in grammar school at that time, fixing to go into middle school now is what it's called, but going into high school. My sister and brother, they would ride with Dad on down to uh, the high school there in Murray County. <coughs> and I think about how that I saw my dad through different circumstances and trials go through some dark, dark times. Dad would be going down the road and something would be said and he'd say these words, the sun will shine again. Dad didn't know the Lord in the free pardon of sin at that time. He later on, later in life, got saved. But, you know, I use those words sometimes as I listen to the inmates at the jail, as I witness, as I push around the cart and give out indigent supplies. I was listening to one, I wouldn't call names or nothing, as he talked about him and his wife, and she won't have nothing to do with me. We prayed and different things, and then the next week when I come back, good news The children come and saw me, and he began to talk with me about different things, and I told him, I said, you're going to have to prove yourself to that woman. They were married, they divorced, and then they remarried. His problem is alcohol. And I told him, you're going to have to prove yourself to that wife. She don't want to be called by the special names that you may call her. Nobody else may know them. Pretty girl, sugar baby, whatever you call your wife, sweetheart, honey, or whatever. I said, you're going to have to earn that trust again. And, well, let me go on. But there is a reward to a silence. God will speak again. God will speak again. Now, as we look at this passage of Scripture in Job chapter Eight in verse 11, he asks the two questions, can the rush grow up without the mire? May I say to you, as you think about that, the bull rush, it's a type of the believer that's been saved by the grace of God. As you think about the mire, the mire is exactly where God saw us, helpless and hopeless, defiled, with sin, lost without God, and yet he gives a revelation of himself and he gives us that opportunity to respond and by faith, we take Christ to the saving of our soul. And as you think about can the rush grow without the mire in the earthly and the natural or in our minds, no, it can't. But I think about what he says in the book of, of uh, Matthew, chapter 16, I believe it is, in verse 26. And he said, With God, all things are possible. And God can take that and make something out of it. Now, I want to type tonight, though, just a few. Sh- A few short thoughts here on the rush. As you think about the rush, I must say to you, it's a tall, growing sedgy type or a sedge plant. In some places, it has species of very coarse grass growing in swamps uh, that can grow as thick as a man's thumb and anywhere in height from 3 feet all the way up to 14 feet in height. And as you think about this, we see again the type, the picture, how God brought us up out of the horrible pit, out of the miry clay and set our feet upon the rock. I know that Psalms 40 there is speaking of the resurrection, but we use it many times in reference to you and I and how God saw us in our helpless condition and He saves us and He sets us upon the rock and He establishes our going and put a new song in our heart. But as you think about it tonight, let me give you about five things to think about and will be done, okay? I want you to notice with me, first of all, you turn in your Bibles or just let me read it to you. The rush was used in making rope. Now think about that. And in verse 23 of Jude 1, the Bible says, and others save with fear, pulling them. And that's what a rope does. It pulls, it holds, it, it uh, 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 keeps the sway from taking place. And that's what you and I should be in our lives to those that are around us. You know, I was listening to a preacher the other night and he made the statement. He said 80%. Now, whether he where he got his statistics, I don't know. He just made the statement. All I can do is tell you that at least he said it as factual and being correct. But he said 80% of all suicides. Are you listening? 80% of all suicides could be prevented with a kind word. Now think about that. I thought about that for just a second and when I heard that I thought, my gracious alive. Listen to that. 80% of all suicides could be prevented with a kind word. May I say to you, number one, start looking for the sinners. We've got to be on the constant. We've got to be on the lookout. We've got to have our gospel tracks. I was taught in soul winning when I was first saved that you take your gospel tracts and you put them in backwards because when you hand one out, if you pull one out, it comes forward. That's one of the things that I was taught. I was taught about the plan of salvation, how to win someone to Christ, and uh, different things that may be asked and so forth and so on. I was taught about looking for conviction, sensing conviction, knowing that God is dealing with that person. I've dealt with people in times past and soul winning, and really I could give different illustrations. I have some some on my mind, but they're not interested. And if they're not interested or if they're looking around and they're not listening to you, then that tells me they're really not ready for the gospel to be shared with them. I've went through the plan of salvation, have showed it to them, and I may stop and just say, "Now listen. When you're ready, at least you'll know how. You'll at least know how to be saved. And if you need to, you call me, and I'll do my best to help and come or whatever, and try to win you to Christ. You just don't just Johnny on the spot if I can say it to you like that and win someone to Christ. They have to be under conviction." no man cometh unto me except the father which has sent me draw them and i think about the free will as you were preaching and teaching several months ago probably last year sometime uh, on sovereignty and subjects of sovereignty and, and i appreciated what you I appreciated what you had to say because we do have free will some would have us to believe that there is uh, nothing where you're dead i know how they i've had them to tell me this before but you're dead and you can't do nothing Anything that's dead can't move. Sounds real good, but the same God that's in heaven also instilled in you and I the ability to accept or reject. And he came unto his own, and his own received him not, but as many as received him, him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. There's the reception on your part and mine. I remember the night that I got saved, and God was dealing with my heart and I responded by faith, and I took Christ to the saving of my soul, and He born me into the family of God. There is our part. You can reject. You can say no to the call of God. And as you think about it, may I say to you, start looking for them. In Luke 14 and verse 23, the lighter portion, he says, go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. And that's our job. To be a witness, to share, to throw the rope, a lifeline, and pull them in, and to help them. I thank God for the man that won me to the Lord. You've heard it before. I'll say it again. That's Brother Hooker, Gene Hooker. We worked together at the service station before he started pastoring, and then uh, long before. And I, and I, at that time, I was lost. I was without God. He'd come in on Thursdays, and he'd say, "Guess what we done last night?" And I said. What did y'all do? And he said, we prayed for you. And I'd look at him I'd say, you didn't tell him people my name or nothing, did you? He probably did, but he'd tell me no, no, I didn't. And, And, you know, I think about it, but God used him. And it finally worked. It finally dawned. God began to speak to my heart, and I was saved. So start looking for him. You know, there's many of us, there's many, many people that never come to a place where they win anyone to Christ. You think about that. Ask yourself this simple question, Have I ever won anyone to Christ? Is not that a desire in your heart? Is not that a desire to see? I remember one time, I may have told this before, but it's a good one, so I'm going to tell it again. Amen. But I remember on visitation as we knocked on the door and I shared with a young lady the plan of salvation. And I thought, now she's going to get saved, she's going to get saved. And her boyfriend was there, and they were fixing to go out, and the family was there, and she finally said, no. My heart broke because I was wanting to win that lady to Christ. But I also remember the time which God let me win my first to the Lord. Do you remember that time? Do you remember how special it was? Do you remember the circumstances around it and all of the situation? And God just orchestrated it, kind of set like that, and He just put everything together and you were able to win that person to the Lord. May I say to you, secondly, start loving them. Gail and I were somewhere just recently, let me put it to you like that, I saw a young man. He's a young man. I've saw him in times past, but I had an opportunity. He's kind of grinning at me, and I said, come over here, come over here. And we talked for just a second, and I put my arm around him. I just whispered in his ear, I said, this may not mean a hill of beans to you, and if it don't, that's fine. But I said, you don't know how proud I am because I know where he's been. I know what he's been into. And I can't tell, I wouldn't tell all the situation. But he's turning around. And I told him, I said, I'm so proud of you. He steps away for a second. And I watched him as he come back up, and he was wiping the tears. Somebody needs a kind word somewhere. And you and I just may be. Have you ever opened mouth and stuck foot in it? And then before you know it, you got half your leg down the throat too. You understand what I'm talking about? I'm guilty. I am guilty. But I think at the same time, there's been a few times. I think about another young man. He came to me the other day and he said, it's probably going to sound stupid. And I said, what? And Gail and I were there and he began to open up his heart and share with me. I call him from time to time. Just let him know I'm thinking about him. Praying for him. Love him in the Lord. He told me what was in his heart. And I said, no. I said, the only thing I'd say to you is get the will of God. What does God tell you? For if our heart condemneth us not, then have we confidence with God. And he went on and he'd done what he felt like he should. And I said to Did you pray over it? Did you ask of the Lord? And he said, I sure did. And he he got him a new truck. I was so proud for him, so happy for him. To see a young man just starting out and his credit building and get to get a new truck, that's a blessing to me. My wife won't let me have a new truck. Y'all pray for me. (laughs) I'm joking when I say that. I don't need a new truck. I got a good one. Amen. Amen. It's got a million miles. No, I don't. Hey, Amen. Let me go on. i get in trouble here. But start loving them. You know, I think it's been told. It's been told it's truth. Evis it Presley. Evis Presley was born over in northeast. I believe it's northeast Mississippi. I've been there, but it's been a long time. A long time ago. I've been to where his home was, that home. To my understanding and remembrance it was Presley was raised in the Assembly of God Church, if I remember correct. Now, whether he made a profession of faith, I don't know. I, don't, I can't tell you nothing about that. But I led, I've i said all that to say this. When someone would do something for him, if it was a bellhop or a porter or something like that, and they'd take the luggage to the motel room or something like that, he always would say, thank you, thank you very much. I don't know if he gave a tip or not. But I'm saying to you, our words, our words can push people away and our words can draw people to us. And what I'm saying to you is start loving them. Start helping those that are around you. I've learned that give a little sugar, they'd rather have sugar than they had salt, if you understand what I'm saying. Give them a little sugar. You take an old horse out in the Um, pasture and you begin to feed it sugar and you do this for several times and then when you walk out into the pasture he's looking for your pocket because he's wanting to know if you have any sugar and you can feed him now I'm not gonna put my hand down there he'll bite my hand off but that's the way it is people needs encouragement people needs kind words People needs to hear things that will help and edify them. I'm not talking about bolstering their ego and whatever. I'm just simply saying, love them. Love them. Love them. I told my son when he started preaching, I said, son, if you'll just love God's people, God's people will love you. I found that to be a truth down through the years. I've walked into some all kinds of churches, independent Baptists, independent premillennial fundamental missionary Baptists. Just try to go and be a blessing. And watch what God will do. If you will, notice with me we see to start looking for Him, to start loving Him, start laboring for Him. John 9 4. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. And then may I say to you, secondly, the rush was used in making shoes and in making garments. And in Romans chapter 13, verse 13 and 14, he says these words, Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in riotous and rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envy, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. And make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Turn in your Bibles. It's been a while since I've memorized it. Turn in your Bibles, if you will, to the book of 1 Peter chapter 4. And let me read this to you. In 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 1, he says, For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that has suffered in flesh has ceased from sin that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. For times past of our life may have sufficed us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lasciviousness, lust, excessive wine, revilings, banquetings, and abominable, uh, abominable idolatries, wherein they, the world, think it strange that you and I run not with them to the same excessive riot. And what I'm trying to say to you there is just exactly uh, that it was made for the shoes it, it, or the the bulrush would make shoes that they could walk on. And you and I are carrying the glorious gospel of Christ. You and I have the gospel. We have the Holy Spirit. We have God's Word. And we're to put on the Lord Jesus Christ so those that are around us uh, know that you're a Christian. I've had this on several occasions. You probably have also I know, pastor probably has, but you walk into a place and, brother Bobby, they'll look at you and they will say, "Are you a preacher?" I've had that, and I say, "Well, yes." How'd you know? And they say, "You just look like one." I, I started to say, "Is that because I'm bald-headed and fat?" You know, and no, I didn't really, I, you know. But uh, they'll say that. But it opens the door and it gives me an opportunity, and I can witness to that person. Well, how about you? Are you a Christian? Do you go to church? Do you know the Lord in the free pardon of sin? When was the time that you were saved? And we're to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh, but that we can share the gospel. Yes, I've made mistakes. Yes, I've blown it. If you want to know it like that, if I can say it like that. And you know what? You have to. And if you haven't, you will. I can promise you that. But keep on trying. Keep on sharing. As we throw out that rope, as you pass that gospel track, we have gospel tracks that our ministry prints. And one of them it just says thank you. And it's for the waitress. When you leave a tip, you can leave that gospel track and thank her for what she or he is doing in being the waitress or the waiter and providing for you and you give them back a gratuity. Many times, if the lady's been very kind to me, I'll... I'll say, look, I'll put the gratuity on the card. And she'll say, I'll get it, and thank you so very much. And we'll leave a gratuity. But leave a witness on a gospel track. Most of the time nowadays, it seems like Gail pays most of our bills online. I think y'all probably do too if you know what I'm talking about. But with that thought in mind in times past, when we would send that bill in, we'd send it by mail, we'd drop a gospel track into it. And whoever opens that up and looks, they would pull out that gospel track, and they've got to do something with that. They've either got to look at that and read it or throw it in the trash can or whatever. But it's out of your hands then because you've done what you could to reach that person on the other end of the line, if I could say it like that. And this is what I'm saying to you. The rush was used in making shoes and garments. And then thirdly, the rush was used in making baskets. You find in the book of Acts chapter 9 and verse 25, then the disciples took him by night and let him down by the wall in a basket. Several years ago we were in Romania and we were in one particular prison in Romania and I remember that one of our men... He, he was watching them as they were fashioning and putting together. They'd take the long leaves and they'd put them together and they were making the bottom of the basket and then they would weave it around somehow and make the sides of the basket and then they would make a large handle over the top. And it was green, it was fresh, and he said, I'm taking my wife one of those home. And I thought, why don't you get her something besides that? And so we get on that TWA. That's been a long time, had not it? Hey, Amen. Amen. We get on that TWA flight. I think it was TWA. And he's got that basket all the way in his lap, all the way back to America. He takes that home. He talks about that basket. Turn with me, if you will, in your Bibles to the book of Galatians. Let me show you something. I want you to know something. Well, you already know it, but let me remind us of it. In Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1, the Bible says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in the fault, you which are spiritual... Restore such in one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Let's go back to verse 1. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, I'd assume the word without studying it closely would be fault, possibly sin, overtaken in something. How, what proportion I don't know, but he says these words, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of forgiveness. And then he says, because here's the reason why, consider thyself, lest I also be tempted. I'm a little reluctant. I'm going to give you an illustration. You may not like it, but listen to me for a second. Several years ago I was in a jewelry store and I was looking for my wife something. I can't remember if it was Christmas, if it was her birthday, if it was when, but I was looking for something and I wanted to buy her something nice. And I talked with the gentleman behind the counter, he showed me different things, and he finally said, are you a preacher? And I looked at him and I said, yes sir, I am. And I said, how about you? Do you go to church? begin to tell me a story. I could name the name of the church and some of you might know that church. I used to pastor such and such church. Why he chose to open on me, I don't know. I I can't tell you. But he said, I fell into sin. He began to describe the sin. Yes, it's just as bad as you think. He said, I got my heart right. I went back to my home church. My wife and I got back together. I started leading the singing in church. I submitted myself to the local church. But it just didn't work out. Him and his wife divorced went back to the lady that he was interested in. They married. Him being independent Baptist, her being Pentecostal background. Pentecostal in Jesus' name. Baptized, come out of the water, speaking in tongues, so forth and so on. He said, if we go to my church they won't have nothing to do with us. If we go to her church, they think of her as marrying a lost man and unregenerated without Christ. I'm not telling you it was right or wrong. I'm telling you there in a jewelry store, a man broke down and was almost in tears before me, hurting, over something that he had done in his life. God says, if a man be overtaken in fault, you, which are a spiritual, restore, bring back. I'm not saying that he can do everything that he wants done. I think he even turned in his ordination papers, if I remember correct. I'd go back from time to time and we'd speak. Went back another time and he had moved. I said, where's such and such? Him and his wife left and they moved to South Carolina. I've never saw him again. What I'm saying to you is our actions, should the church deal in such a manner? Yes. I believe that. I believe that. I think of our old home church where a situation come up and it was like Similar. And our pastor brought them before the church. And they were disciplined. And I think that's correct. They were under the watch care of the church. They never followed through, but they were under the watch care of the church and they left, not us. And I don't have the answer to everything and the what ifs and what would you and so forth and so on. But I'm saying these words right here. If a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual. Can I get an amen? And did you notice he didn't say, hey, you Christians, you just do this? He says, ye that are spiritual. You know why? Carnal man won't forgive, carnal man man won't let go. No, he deserves it. Put him down. I can understand that, but I can also understand take heed lest I also fall. Many times we better listen to that small, still voice before we make myself included. We are callous statements. Yes, I'm guilty of them. Of someone for what they've done, because we can fall into the same trial or the same temptation. Now I'm going to tell you something. Our wicked flesh, all it is is flesh. Psalm 78 says in one passage, For he remembered, for he remembered that they were but flesh, a wind that passeth away and cometh not again. And we can be spiritual today and very, very carnal tomorrow. I was witnessing to, or excuse me, I was talking to a man the other day, and I I had witnessed to a man. And I was telling him, you need to get him in your church. You need to get him in your church and and, and see this man get saved. And he said, yeah, I know him. I know him. Yeah, I know him. I, I know that he can be like what you said, but I also know the other side too. Never once did I hear him say, you know, you're right, let's, I'll, I'll do what I can. I'll tell the church, or if I can't, maybe somebody else will. I didn't see the spiritualness in that man. And this man that I was talking about, he's lost without God on the road to hell. I talked to him about the simple things, simple things in, in the Scriptures. Yeah, it seems like I've heard that or, or something similar to that. But God's Word says, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one, uh, lest thou also fall. And that's about 15 after I've got to hurry. I've enjoyed preaching. Y'all look at me like calf looking at New Gate. But I'm enjoying preaching. Amen. I understand there's that fine line. I understand discipline. I won't go on after I say this. But I also understand reaching over and... Come on. Come on. It, it, it's like this right here. Come on, brother. Come on. Come on. Come on. Do you understand what I'm saying? We're so busy in our hustle and bustle I'll be through here in a minute. But we get so busy in our hustle and bustle, we forget our gospel tracts. We forget to put them in and pass them out at the right time. And before you know it, the day's pass by, You know, in one sense of the word, God's been very, very gracious to me. In that, in the office, when I'm in the office, we start out our mornings at nine o'clock. Nine o'clock until nine thirty. I usually I usually lead the singing one verse or one two verses of one song. And then Brother Ellis, if he's not there, he may call upon me or call upon someone else. And we give a devotion. We have our prayer time the first usually around the first 10 to 15, maybe 12, 15 minutes. And then the next 15 minutes of that we have devotions. And we can take that for granted if you understand what I'm saying. How many places do you know, businesses, institutions, do you know where you go out and you start? I think about a man, he's dead now, he was a pastor friend, and he worked at Delta and he pastored his church. And he told me the story of the man that started Delta. And in the hangars early in the morning before they would start or do anything, he would come down and with his people he would have devotions with them how many and and look where delta has grown to now now i don't think they're doing that now if you want to know the truth but he prayed he prayed with his people he prayed for his people and he would have devotions with them because he cared for them I think about a businessman that was very, well, he was a friend, two men that were business. And uh, I think about one time they went with me to uh, Angola, Louisiana State Penitentiary, behind the walls. I'll be through here in just a second. And, and I said, my, my, I said, how big have you grown? He said, well, we have 30 employees right now. And I said, really? You have moved that far? You have advanced that far? he come back and he humbly said, he said, all I'm wanting to do is to be able to take care and see that my people that are under us have a paycheck and they can take care of their families. You think about that. I think about a vice president with, um, not UPS, but what's the other one? FedEx. I'm sitting on a flight with him. We're going into Memphis. It was a recession time in the country. And I said, what do you think about the recession? And he said, we're just doing everything we can so we don't have to lay off anyone. Our people will not suffer. That's what it's about, trying to help those that are around and to care. And I'm trying to lead that in. And I'll be done here in just a second. But that basket where we pick them up, And we told them and we take them with us. Are y'all with me tonight? I'm enjoying preaching. I'm just simply saying this, and I'm done right here. I don't have time to go any further. Listen, and the opportunity will come forth. I don't know if you heard it. I heard what he said. Let us pray for this week, our mission uh, revival. Let us pray what God would have us to do, what God would have us to give, what God would have us to yield. Our Father, we sure love You. We thank You for the privilege. Now, Lord, we're going to have to be dismissed, but I ask You, Father, please visit with us for just a short moment. Help us in this invitation. May, Lord, our Savior be glorified and exalted. Maybe there's someone that needs to come this evening needs to pray, have been reminded of a situation or a certain someone or a loved one. Lord, they're still worth the prayers. They're still worth what we can yield and put into them. So help now and we'll thank you and praise you for all that you so kindly do.